It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Uncle Dave and Steve Reader. You guys know where to find them on Twitter as well, at Dave underscore Essler and at Avoid the Vig. And you guys can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. We're going to chop up five games for you for NFL week number three. Last week, we did rather well. Uncle Dave and Steve, they're going to go ahead. We're going to take charge. I'm going to be the host. I'm going to let those guys go ahead and give out their handicaps. I've got a couple opinions for these particular games. Uncle Dave, you went ahead. You picked the games again this week. You picked out some good ones. First one we're going to talk about is the Chargers and the Chiefs. Chiefs going to be minus six and a half in this game. We have a total of 54 and a half, maybe some 55s out there as well. Uh, we saw what the Chiefs did against Baltimore the other night, faltered at the end. Baltimore gets a win there. They beat the Chiefs, but the Chargers, uh, in my opinion, guys, uh, they don't look really all that well right now. So we'll see if they can go ahead and bounce back here on the road. Uncle Dave, throw it over to you first. Chargers, Chiefs, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty evident here that trendy pick is, is going to be the Chargers. And that was pretty early, uh, early evident when it opened seven and a half, came back down to six and a half. You know, I think that was more than than Sharps buying numbers there. I, I think the question the question here is, is the trendy pick the right one? And if so, is there value left, you know, given the current market situation when we could have had seven, seven and a half? I expected that total to shoot up after Sunday night. But Kansas City allowed the Ravens 481 yards. More importantly to me, 7.1 yards per play. And the two other glaring takeaways for me were the Chiefs, they were just one and six on third downs and the massive time of possession win for Baltimore. So, you know, I, I think when you dig deeper, that uh, that that box score and, and sort of negativity around KC uh, probably gets even worse. The thing is uh, that Baltimore is a run-first team. The charges are anything but. Uh, so can or will Staley change their M.O.? Honestly, I doubt it. Sleepy, I you know, they played a high-scoring game in KC last year, but it was the last game of the season, the game the Chiefs didn't need. So much so, I think Chad Henney played the entire game, and, and so did uh, Mahomes sat, obviously, but so did most of the starters. I think, you know, the Chiefs stole one against Cleveland. They weren't downgraded by too many people, uh, but I really think they should be after that Baltimore game. And, you know, I have to wonder if the Chiefs lost any of that killer instinct they might have had. You know, they came into this season a lot of smack talk. You know, I even heard undefeated thrown around a bit after losing to the Bucks. But, you know what, I think, Sleepy, I think the Bucks might have shown everyone how to beat the Chiefs. It reminds me a lot of what the Giants did to Brady uh, in 2007. Um, and I think they have shown people how to beat the Chiefs, to be honest. You know, there's, there's part of me that thinks KC wants to show the Chargers who's still the boss in the AFC West. But, you know, wanting to and doing so are mutually exclusive. And when push comes to shove, I trust the Chargers defense more than I trust the Chiefs defense. And, you know, Herbert was spot on with most of his throws last week, save the end zone pick. So, yeah, I think there's still value left with the Chargers. You make a great point there with the Chiefs' defenders, Uncle Dave, and that's one of the reasons that I don't want to back them in this particular game. Now, let's give credit where credit's due. The Chiefs haven't had exactly, you know, two of the easiest games throughout the season, but they've surrendered 65 points on defense. For me, I feel like if we tease down the Kansas City Chiefs that you're running the risk of, you know, the underdog going in there on the road, and then it's Monday morning, it's, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs? So I don't want to tease them. I don't want to lay the six and a half because – I feel like the Chargers have to come into this game and and they have to be thinking that we have to go in and win this one. As far as the total is concerned, no real feel on that. And to take the six and a half with, you know, with the Chargers, we know that the Chiefs could win the game by seven. So for me uh, personally, I feel that the line is right. I don't feel like there's really any value in teasing. 
And if it came down to anything, it would be player props or it would be the total. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass. My biggest concern of the game going in is the Chiefs defense. And I just don't know what to make of it right now. If they play two good teams, if that is something that maybe we're, we're, you know, maybe we're just overrating a little bit too much. But for me, I think a pass is probably the safest thing for me. So, Steve, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Chargers, Chiefs, what do you got? Well, I think the first thing is uh, there is something the mystique about the Chiefs has kind of worn off. So I do agree with you folks on that. Uh, but I actually want to start off with a confessional. I uh, had a really good week last week, but I swung and missed on the Chargers over team total. Uh, they had three or four touchdowns that were overturned due to penalty, and I'm not bitter about it. I- I'm infuriated about it. So that's full disclosure. I just want to get that off my chest. Um, so far this season, both games for Los Angeles uh, were one-score games. So it's not a surprise that the Chargers won the turnover battle. They won the game. If they didn't win it, they lost the game. Um, and I do think that turnovers are going to be a huge factor in this one. You simply can't give Mahomes more opportunities. And you saw what happens if Mahomes turns it over himself. Uh, they ended up losing the game because those two late turnovers against Baltimore. Uh, the Chargers are converting, and this is this is crazy stat, uh, an impressive 61% of their third down conversions but are only successful in the red zone 30% of the time. Enter Kansas City, whose defense has surrendered an alarming 100% of red zone opportunities. Both Cleveland and Baltimore have scored every single time that they've been in the red zone, they've scored a touchdown. If Casey does not correct this against the Chargers, they're going to be on upset alert for sure. The difference this week is the style of play between uh, for the defense for the Chargers, or for, excuse me, for the Chiefs. The Chargers are a pass-first team throwing 65% of the time, unlike Casey's first opponents who are run first. If Casey's pass defense performs better, particularly in the red zone, than the rush defense did, uh, it could be a different game. I do have my skepticism on that, though. Uh, the Chargers team total is staring at me in the face again. It's 23 and a half in which we, we can – it's possible shootout here. I think we can all envision that. Uh, but I, I'm going to dive deeper into that. I'm certainly not going to give it out to anybody because it already burned me right now. But if the number says to go for it, I may bet it personally. Um, we're also went back to the well on the Justin Herbert over passing yards prop. Uh, we gave out over 280. It's higher than that. Now we also gave out over Mike Williams, uh, 63 and a half yards. It's way higher than that now as well. Um, as far as the side goes, I'd pass, but if it trickles back up to, um, the chargers, I might be convinced if we can get that touchdown. Uh, but this to me is like a live bet. If one team gets down a significant amount of points, I think I'd want to buy that, uh, the underdog at that point, uh, and see if we can get some, uh, you know, revenge coming through the game and some backdoor covering going on. All right, solid stuff from all the guys on that one. Let's jump over to our next game here. We have the Dolphins and we have the Vegas Raiders. Raiders going to be favored right now in this game, minus four. We have a total of 45. Let me give you guys my quick handicap here. And I'm not sure if this really makes a whole hell of a lot of sense right now. We've only seen one game right now played in Las Vegas. But look, I know one thing about watching the NHL and watching the Vegas Golden Knights. There's something going on with that particular home field or you know, home ice advantage where teams just don't go in there and win. And if Baltimore couldn't beat the Raiders uh, in that particular game, that that you know raises a little bit of a red flag. Now, Miami's going to be in a little bit of a situation here because two is out. He now has fractured ribs. And I'm not sure if you know Vegas is just a tough place to play. If you go and you look at all the teams, you can go down to like minor league baseball. You can go to hockey. You can go anywhere you want with the teams that are in Vegas they generally end up with a really, really good home record. So I wonder if that's going to take place, you know, with the Vegas Raiders. I certainly hope that it does. I watched that stadium be built. I think, you know, they named it the Death Star uh, for particular reasons. I think teams will struggle to go in there and win games. And the Raiders right now 2-0 on the season. 
you know, they're gunning for three and oh. And if they have to go ahead and knock out wins, they have to go ahead and do it over like their first seven games. They have some winnable games in there. One of the winnable games that they're probably going to have is against Steve's Giants here in a couple weeks. They also have the Eagles. They also have the Broncos and the Bears. So, no, this team could rip off some wins. I think right now that they're just totally motivated or totally focused. I think they feed into that crowd. And for me, although it's minus four and Miami's coming in here, I don't want to say super desperate, but they're going to be looking to get a win. I just don't think they're going to be able to slow down the Raiders in this particular game. Carr is playing really good football right now. I believe he's 119 yards passing more than the next guy. He's number one in the league, and that next guy would be Kyler Murray. So for me, I think Vegas could put it all together here. I think they're not worried about Miami. I think they know that they have to win these particular games in order to get over the hump and make the playoffs. So although it seems super-duper square, I'm going to be the square guy here. And I'm going to take Vegas. I don't think the line matters in this particular game. I think they win this game comfortably. I don't know how Brissett's going to react, you know, with all the you know, new pieces that he has to deal with. I mean, I'm not sure how many reps he's got with these guys. But for me, it's the Raiders. I know I'm taking the square side here. I don't care. I don't believe this game's close. Uncle Dave, throw it over to you. What do you got? I mean, I don't know how much I can really add to this, Sleepy. I mean, I, I did the handicap before I knew Tua wasn't going to play. I uh, kind of looked at it both ways. And, you know, one, one thing that's interesting, I have a lot of lifetime Raider fans, you know, guys that have, have followed them for, for decades telling me they won't cover this game. And I get that because, and I went through that with New England when they had their sort of, you know, turnaround years, if you will. And, you know, sometimes these up-and-coming teams, they, they have a way of playing at the level of their competition. And not that Miami isn't up-and-coming as well, but, you know, Tua, Jacoby, who knows? I mean, you know, some some people seem to think Brissett's actually an upgrade. Uh, but, you know, that's a variable still sitting out there, and we won't know. Uh, I do know Miami does have an above-average defense. Um, uh, it's, it's borderline elite when they're when they're healthy and playing well. I, you know, I know Carr's been great. You, you just went down the litany of his accomplishment. But, you know, the one thing that does concern me a little bit about the Raiders is they got a big AFC West game next Monday night at the Chargers. Now, I don't like to use the term look ahead, but, you know, I, I tend to gravitate to that because everybody knows what it means. I prefer to call it a flat spot. So, you know, if there ever was one, this could be it. Um, where I'm going with this, I don't think Miami's going to lay up the scoreboard with or without Tua. Uh, after that line shot up as high as six at one point, as, as you mentioned, it's come back to four. Um, you know, a lot of people took the Raiders at minus one with the look ahead line. Uh, went all the way to six, and I know a lot of people that kind of have both, um, and, and I'm kind of torn on this side, but I'm fairly confident this game stays under sleeping. Um, you know, I, I was kind of hoping that Tua would play and it would maybe shoot up a little bit more, but that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. I think it's a pretty stable number, so um, I actually uh, I can't knock your Raiders pick. I, I get it. Um, I kind of like the Dolphins teased up a little bit. But I, if I'm betting this game, I'm betting the under. And one of the things that I have heard throughout the last couple days there, Uncle Dave, is Brissett an upgrade over Tua. And I'll make the argument that it's probably going to have to be no for me. Particularly if you go back to last week, Tua only played a couple snaps. I mean, Brissett basically took over. Now, I understand he was, you know, he was whipped in there. Uh, but that game was at home for Miami. Uh, they should have performed a little bit better. They end up putting a goose egg up on the board. Uh, Brissett was 24 for 40, you know, a lousy 169 yards with an interception. He was sacked four times in that particular game. So for me, 
I don't see the upgrade. I would think that it would be a downgrade. And I think Miami went into this season thinking, no, we have our franchise quarterback. I don't think Brissett was part of the equation as far as his playoff run. But right now, I, I believe he's going to have to be because I don't think two is going to see the field. My gut feeling says for at least two or three weeks, you know, depending on how Brissett performs. And I don't believe that this is going to be, you know, a particular situation where he's going to do well. So I would not upgrade Miami at all. And the fact that they didn't get any points with him basically being the starter last week for, you know, let's just say 90% of the game, they put up zero points. So I don't know how the hell I can go ahead and put any stock into Miami right now, you know, with the quarterback situation, with how that offense looked. And I know their defense is, uh, you know, supposed to be pretty good, but they did give up 35 points to the Buffalo Bills. So that's a little bit worrisome. And that Raiders offense right now is clicking. And as you mentioned there, Uncle Dave, the fact that they do have a big Monday night showdown, I like the fact they're going to get an extra day's rest. And look, if they win that game, you know, they're 4-0. and all. And I think that that team is, they're kind of looking ahead, but they're looking ahead towards, you know, maybe the bright spot of the future that, that could be, you know, for the Raiders on this particular season. So, you know, they can't go 4-0 and all unless they go 3-0, and all, and I think that they know that right now. So uh, I'm not trying to knock anybody's stuff, but I do not think Brissett is an upgrade over Tua. Um, not right now. I just, I just don't believe that that's, you know, necessarily the case. Steve, what do you think? How about you? How are you feeling right now about the Dolphins Raiders? I didn't make any power rating change between a hurt Tua and a healthy Jacoby Brissett. So the Tua news doesn't move the needle for me either way. Uh, in hindsight, I feel like we should have been all over Buffalo from their game last week. They beat the Patriots in New England week one in a thriller and return home fat and happy to play the Bills. We're heartbroken in week one. Uh, the game didn't start well and was compounded by the Tua injury. Uh, Brissett is a game manager, and if the Dolphins want to win the game, they're going to have to rely on their defense. Uh, something of note for the game, Miles Gaskin caught five passes from Brissett. Uh, the checkdown game may be something we want to look into, especially after we cashed those Gaskin receiving props in week one. The Raiders, they have the fourth highest ATS margin and have moved up three full points in my power rating since the start of the year. Um, they've been nothing short of impressive as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Gruden seems significantly better than expected. Um, Carr, which you mentioned previously, Sleepy, was that he's a league's leading passer. He shattered expectations. Um, so my power rating makes the game Raiders minus uh, three and a half. Uh, but I have to wonder if there's a letdown spot for them. Uh, they won both of their games as underdogs against the Ravens and Steelers to establish powerhouses over the last decade. They now come home undefeated, playing a team that lost their quarterback and uh, the game by 35 points in a shutout. I am a believer in Brian Fuller as, as the coach of Miami. I do think they might be a little overmatched in this contest, and I wonder how much of this this Raiders team is for real or if it's just a, a two-game fluke. You've seen them perform well and then kind of fall off a cliff here. I'm curious what we're going to have in that respect. Uh, I'm going to pass the game entirely. I really don't even have much of a lean in it. Let me bring up a few things. First off, you said Miami's defense, and I think that we do have to note you know, what they did last week. Josh Allen – you know, he didn't look anything special. I mean, what, what did he? He was like fifty percent completions. Uh, didn't even throw for two hundred yards. So uh, I agree with you, Steve, that they're going to have to go ahead and rely, you know, on that defense. But let me circle back to another thing that you had mentioned: the fact that the Raiders could be in a little bit of a letdown situation. If you watch the interviews from this past week, one of the things that came out of Derek Carr's mouth is, "We've been here before, and we've always had like the same result. We start out good, and then we end up falling off a cliff." And nobody ever takes notice of it. We think we're all this and we think we're all that. And it ends up hurting that team, you know, as the weeks go by. But it seemed like there was accountability there. Like there was certainly that like they certainly noticed that they've made mistakes in the past and they don't want to make those same mistakes again. So I think they come in here on high alert. 
actually, because of, you know, the lessons that they learned in the past. So um, I think the Raiders come in here ready to roll. I think they come in here charged up. I would say probably for this particular podcast, guys, my strongest play right now uh, out of all these games is going to be go ahead and back the Raiders minus the four points. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champions. We got them facing the Rams here. Rams are going to be minus. uh, Actually, Tampa's a favorite here right now, minus one, total of 55. Steve, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. How are you feeling about the Bucs and Rams? I have the Bucks rated as my number one team in the NFL uh, with the Rams coming in at number four. Uh, so the game itself should be fascinating. Uh, you know, it, it could in in the future determine home field advantage and that, that first round buy. I mean, these it potentially could be the top two teams in the NFC here. Um, so this game uh, flip favorites, as you mentioned, since the start of the week, uh, the Rams clearly have high hopes coming into the year and they showed up in week one. However, they didn't cover in Indy. Even without when, with Wentz getting hurt, they still couldn't cover. So that's a little bit concerning on that front. Uh, Tampa has given up the third most passing yards in the league, which should ha- pave the way for Stafford to be able to sling it all over the field. We gave out Cup over 70.5 receiving yards exactly for this reason. He had 21 targets in the first two games and is averaging an absurd 135.5 receiving yards per game, nearly doubling the number that was posted. Um, I gave out TB in a teaser, uh, bringing them up from plus two, which was actually the opener. We got it at plus two and we moved it up to plus eight. Uh, I may be looking to do the same thing with the Rams here, as I expect the contest to be pretty close. Uh, the Bucks survived week one despite giving up 403 passing yards to Dak Prescott and losing the turnover battle by three. Uh, last week, they finally turned it on in the fourth quarter, outscoring uh, the Falcons by 20 points in the period. Uh, so it's interesting. Tampa's really been playing through their competition and turn it on when they really need to late. Um, you know, if the Rams got a lead in this game or if they're, if they're up two scores or something like that, that, that is certainly a time that I want to fire on the Bucks. Uh, I'd probably be less inclined to do so if it, if the roles were reversed in that one. Uh, but like I said, I do expect it to be a one-score game, which is why I like the, that teaser option so much. And I haven't fired on the Rams teaser, uh, but if it gets up to plus two, I might be looking to do the same thing that we did at the, at the opener. Yeah, for me, I feel like that this is probably one of the squares places to go ahead and back the Buccaneers. I think one of the things that I took notice of is the fact that they played, you know, the Falcons defense in last week and then they played the Cowboys defense. So uh, sure, they look good, but this is going to be a tough test. I mean, every team is going to get up for the Buccaneers. I mean, that is their Super Bowl in a sense. That's the game that they know, you know, that they have a very high probability to go ahead and lose. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams are on high alert, you know, that they've been practicing, you know, for a couple of weeks for this particular game to try to knock off the champs. That's what everybody wants to do. I'm going to go ahead and pass the game because it's just hard for me to go ahead and bet against, you know, the Buccaneers and Brady. But I feel like I have already made a mistake with them this week. I went ahead, I entered them into my pregame contest. And immediately after I was like, man, that was such a square pick. Like I didn't even put any thought into it. And that's, you know, a rookie mistake. That's that's the lessons you learn, you know, as you go and you've been in this racket for a while. You you learn the knee-jerk reaction sometimes uh, without even looking and without even thinking. Um, they end up costing you money in the long run. As far as the total is concerned, I'm not sure what I would do with that particular game. I'm probably going to wait and see and probably put some more work into it and think about that one. Uh, for me, it's going to be pass-pass and a little bit of regret for fire in Tampa Bay without, you know, just doing any work or just knee-jerk reaction. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Bucks and Rams? Well, I would love to find a way not to take Tampa Bay and not be that guy. I mean, like you said, I know they've piled up some some pretty lofty stats offensively, but, you know, both games are at home. One was against your 
defenseless Atlanta. The other was against what we thought might be a solid Dallas defense, but you know Dallas looked way out of position all day against the Chargers. So I don't think they're nearly as good as advertised based on my eyeball test. And you know a lot of people say that's not the case with the Rams, but what I think is the case it's not how well Donald and Jalen Ramsey play because you know what they're going to bring. And but the Bucks have weapons to spare. I think it's the case of how well you know guys like Fuller, Rapp, and Williams play. Uh, in the rest of that Los Angeles secondary. And I wonder, because, you know, this is a team that let the Bears, I let Montgomery and the Bears rush for 100 yards. Last week, they let Pittman catch eight for a buck 23. Um, you know, that tells me that Ramsey back there doesn't have as much help as he's going to need here. And they also let Jack Doyle last week catch five for 64. It's Jack Doyle. We know the Bucks have tight ends uh, that, that make Jack Doyle look like Jack Doyle. You know, Stafford's been good, but not great. Uh, they only converted three of nine third downs at Indy. And you know, if the Colts don't throw two picks, they may not even win that game, let alone not cover. Uh, so with all that said, getting the Bucks to just win the game, I, I have to. I mean, let's face facts. They expect a close game. And if that's true, who do you want, Brady or Stafford? I'm, no disrespect to Stafford, but I think the Bucks have the better players. I think they have more of them. I'd like them to get some revenge for a loss to these guys at Tampa Bay last year. Um Caveat, I wish A.B. was playing, but he's not. Caveat, uh, Brady is at the Patriots next week. So, you know, I, I can't um, – I can find reasons to take the Rams. I just can't get there. I like Tampa Bay. All right, solid stuff there. Let's jump over to our next game here. We have Seattle and Minnesota. Seattle, they're going to be a road favor here, minus one and a half. We have a total of 55 and a half. I feel like I'm making another square play here playing Seattle. I mean, I understand that Minnesota needs to win this game, but I think what it came down to me was which team is more likely to go ahead and make a costly mistake at the end of the game. And I feel like it's certainly Minnesota. I feel like Cousins could be the guy who you know puts the ball up in the air and turns it over. I mean, Russell Wilson doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. I just feel like there's there's enough playmakers on Seattle. Uh, with their running back, you know, with Carson and McCaff and stuff like that. But I really just feel like it comes down to um, coaching in this one. And I'll I'll make a statement now, and I know it's only week three. If Zimmer loses this game, he's going to end up on the hot seat. And I know that that might sound a little bit crazy, but I believe that that will be the case. And I believe it might be a multitude of mistakes that Minnesota, um, you know, inflicts on themselves for this particular game. So, I feel like Seattle is live. I feel like they are really a live team to actually make the, you know, make the Super Bowl because I just think they have enough talent. I think they have the coaching. I think they have, you know, the players that try to avoid mistakes. And, you know, I don't want to bet against Russell Wilson. I know this is not a good spot for them, but boy, it's just, tr- it's tough for me to trust a team like Minnesota who, you know, they can make mistakes. And I believe that's what this game is going to come down to. You know, whatever team makes the worst mistake, um, that's the team that's going to lose, and I believe it's Minnesota. So I'll go ahead. I'll back Seattle. I'll take them on the money line. I'll lay like minus 120, 125. I feel okay with that. How about you, Steve? How are you feeling about Seahawks and Vikings? Uh, the game involves two teams that had their hearts broken last week. So I, I find that interesting uh, as far as the storyline goes. Seattle saw that Titans field goal sail through the upright, cementing their defeat. Uh, and Minnesota missed that chip shot field goal as time expired. That would have made Scott Norwood blush. And that is a Giants joke for all the Giants fans out there. Uh, Russell Wilson poses a matchup problem for the Vikings in the same way that Kyler Murray did. He had just happened to go for 400 passing yards and three touchdowns against Minnesota last week. Hopefully the Vikes will use that as a uh, that failure 
uh, against that team as a catalyst for change this week. Uh, Wilson, Wilson has been fantastic. Uh, he has 11.1 passing yards per attempt, which ranks uh, number one in the NFL. Lockett has been the great beneficiary of Wilson's success. Uh, but Metcalf has received the attention, but hasn't really got that breakout game yet. So that's something that we're looking towards as far as a player prop goes. Once that line posts up, uh, looking towards his overs in this one. Seattle's defense has been less than inspiring than their offense, uh, allowing Tennessee to run for 182 yards at a 5.2 yards uh, clip uh, and three touchdowns. It could be a recipe for success for Dalvin Cook, who bounced back in week one from a quiet performance in the opener. Uh, Kirk Cousin performs much better when Cook is rolling. He had 244 yards, three touchdowns, and 122.4 yard rating um, against the Cardinals. We know the receivers, right? You have Thielen is wide receiver one. Uh, Jefferson is one B. But K.J. Osborne lit it up last week. So it'll be interesting to see what that player prop line is. That's certainly something that I know Chris is looking into it over at Betting Predators. Um, this could be problematic for Seattle. Uh, they were gashed by Tannehill for 347 yards through the air. And clearly, uh, you know, there's room for improvement there. And I'm not sure if they can turn it around this quickly. Um, ultimately I'd rather back a solid 0-2 team with their backs up against the wall. The Vikings need this game like air to breathe, kind of like what Sleepy was mentioning earlier. I lean the Vikings, but if you're going to take them, I, I would suggest on a teaser option in this one, uh, getting it up through that key number of three and uh, seven as well. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong, Steve, with going ahead and teasing Minnesota. If you can get them up over seven, seven and a half, you know, it's, it's not a bad play. I expect this game you know, to be pretty close. How about you, Uncle Dave? How are you feeling about the Seahawks and Vikings? Well, you know, I, looking back at last week, I, I think, you know, I, I'm kind of shocked at how, how out Coach Pete Carroll was in that second half. And I really didn't understand them opening his favorites, and neither did the early betters. Um, you know, that said, I'm not a Zimmer fanboy. I have never been and never will be. You know, they've already lost two games. They had to work real hard to lose. Um, you know, that's coaching. They, they let Murray – um, another mobile quarterback, as Steve mentioned, to throw for 400 yards. So, you know, Wilson props over might be something to look at. Seattle let Henry finally get going. You know, Cook over props as square as they might be. Might also have some merit. But, you know, both of these teams are super desperate, as you guys alluded to. You know, obviously the Vikings can't afford to fall to 0-3. Uh, and Seattle has a huge game at the 49ers next week. So, you know, a loss here might mean 1-3. So, you know, I thought about that. And I, and I don't think either coach – wants to wait until the fourth quarter to see what works and what doesn't. You know, I don't think, think you're going to see that feeling out process. Um, I think they're both going to open things up early. I don't trust either side really enough to bet on. I, I can argue either way. And although that total is a big number, I don't think it's high enough. I like this over. You know, Seattle's defense allowed Tennessee 6.4 yards per play. The Vikings allowed the Cardinals 7.9 yards per play. So, you know, we're kind of still at a wash. And I see the Minnesota defense is allowing a league-worst 78% completion percentage. So, you know, I think that the adage that something's got to give is correct here. I think it's both defenses, so I actually like the over. I wouldn't be against you on that there, Uncle Dave. I mean, they give up, what, 27 points to the Bengals. They give up 34 points to the Cardinals. I had that defense rated at, like, number 12 in the league, and I'm probably sitting here today just saying that I was completely wrong. You know, sure, they have another week to go ahead and, and kind of fix themselves. And look, if they hold, you know, Seattle down, you know, somewhere in the 20s, you know, lower 20s, well, and maybe my number wasn't wrong. But right now, you know, I feel like, you know, that it, that it certainly is. There's a lot of offense, you know, and, and probably not a whole hell of a lot of defense. I would 
you know, side with you there, Uncle Dave. The over is probably the way to go if you're looking at the total. Uh, I'll stick to my guns here. I'll, you know, I'll look at I'll look at Seattle, but certainly there's probably a ton of player props in this particular game. I just wonder how, and, and I think Steve brought it up. You know that that Carroll was out coached, um, or Uncle Dave brought it up that Carroll was just out coached. That's got to alert him. One of the things I don't think Minnesota can fix, and I don't, I don't even know if it if they fixed it over the last ten years, is the kicking game. And I don't, and I, I honestly don't think that you know we as professional handicappers take into consideration how important kickers are. I mean, go back to last week, go back to week one. You know how many games are won and lost. You know on the foot of a kicker. I think that that's something that we have to get a little bit sharper with, with you know at least our special teams and things like that. Because if you know Minnesota is going to end up in a situation where they can't trust their kicker again. Um, it's going to cost them games and it's going to be, we'll throw the kicker out there, try to win this game. And, you know, they come up short. Uh, that, that has to be factored into our handicap, you know, at, at some, some way, shape or form. So I think we talked through that one pretty, pretty much. Let's go ahead and over to uh, Steve's giants. Um, they're going to be at home. They're going to play the Falcons. Giants probably could get a win here. Giants are going to be minus three total 47 and a half. Steve, I'll save you till last because this is your team. You know them best, um, and you never have a biased opinion about this team. You've bet against them already this season, and you were, uh, I believe you were correct with that prediction. But, Uncle Dave, I'll throw it over to you first. Falcons, Giants, what do you got? Well, I don't know that I want to talk before Steve, but you're the host and you're making me. And you, your, your comment about overlooking kickers, you know, my Patriots don't do that. They had two kickers in 23 years, so. We know how important a kicker is. But let's let's go to Steve's Giants and the Falcons. You know, I, th- I think, honestly, the team that protects the ball best is going to win the game. I mean, that's usually the case anyway. But, I mean, neither of these teams just have any margin for error. So, you know, there's that. And, and you know, I, I, I really don't need to go much further. I mean, Ryan did throw for 400 yards, but he had three picks against the Bucks. And, you know, as I said in July, they have no running game. Um, they had rushing guards against the Eagles, but, you know, that was a lot of that was gadget plays or Patterson. So, you know, that was kind of a probably a one-off outlier. And the Giants didn't play that badly in week one against Denver, at least as badly as maybe people expected. Um, and in that one-point loss to Washington, you know, if they did nothing else, they didn't turn the ball over. Um, and I've said for decades that teams that don't turn the ball over will always, with a capital A, have a chance in the fourth quarter. Um, what I do know, a lot of people do like Atlanta here. So my gut tells me not so fast, really. Uh, all I do know here, guys, is that Atlanta is DFL in points allowed. I don't care who they played. They've given up 80 points. I know they played the Bucks. They're also 29th in red zone touchdowns offensively and 30th in third down conversions offensively. So almost by default, I, I have to like Steve's Giants. All right. Well, there's one supporter for Steve and his Giants. Uh, I won't be uh, a supporter of the Giants or the Falcons in this game, but I will be. Uh, supporter for the over in this game. I think that total is just blatantly plain wrong. Um, there's no way that that one should be 47 and a half. Look, I think the Giants, you know, biggest liability right now is their defense. They've given up a lot of points, but I will give credit to Daniel Jones. I think he's actually looked good this particular season. You know, he's throwing the ball a lot, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with the, you know, the backfield with Saquon Barkley. You know, he look, the guy tore his knee up. He, you know, he has his entire career ahead of him. Uh, yeah, he's probably going to start out a little bit slow, but the Giants are getting rushing yards from Daniel Jones or getting some from Saquon. But uh, Daniel Jones throwing the ball, you know, 30 plus times a game. And I don't see any reason why he would not do that here at home. 
you know, against the Falcons. And Uncle Davey touched on how bad the Falcons defense has been. It's not going to fix itself overnight. Uh, that Falcons defense is bad, and it's bad for a reason, and it's going to continue to be bad. But I think Ryan, I think guys like Ridley and Pitts, I think they're going to end up realizing that the Giants could be attacked, you know, through the air. And I see both teams throwing the ball a lot here. I don't think the Falcons are going to slow down Shepard or Galladay or any of those guys, and I don't think Ridley or Pitts are going to be slowing down either. 47.5 to me just feels like that line is just really, really short. I think both teams get close to the 30s here. Uh, Mackenzie Rivers and I, we went ahead, and, and everybody and their mother seemed like they really liked that Washington Giants game under last week, and we couldn't come up with a reason why. Uh, every reason we gave out was to go and play the over. So I, I, I don't even know what my reasoning would be for this game. And Uncle Dave, you've and I, I talked about this last night with Mackenzie, is that what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to tell you that they're going to turn the ball over four times in the red zone? Uh, the quarterback's going to go down. The running back's going to fumble it, you know, uh, back-to-back times at the 50-yard line, and it's just going to uh, chew the clock down. Like, you know that, Uncle Dave. We, we can't go give a handicap like that, but that's sometimes the way that games work out, and that's how you lose games that you feel very, very confident in. And even when those particular results take place, you go immediately and you're like, I would make that bet, you know, a hundred times in a row because I just know that that I feel very confident that my wager was right. And it, it took all this craziness to go ahead and kind of just destroy my destroy my pick and destroy my handicap. But I can't come up with a reason for the under. It's going to take bad luck. And that's the, that's the only reason I could give to go ahead and play the under is uh, basically you feel like a dart throw. So I don't see either team slowing down here. I think they both get to the 30s. 47 and a half, not enough. I don't even think 51 is enough. I think both teams get in the 30s. This one goes over. Uh, although I like the Raiders a ton, I'll make that my best bet. Falcons, Giants for this podcast, over to 47. Steve, it's now your turn. You got your Giants and Falcons. What are your thoughts? I think what you folks summarized right there is pretty much the handicap. Um, you know, especially with, with the over right there, Sleepy. Giants defense has not been looking good at all. Uh, in, in, in fact, uh, they were supposed to be the strength of the team. And for the first two weeks, uh, they've really kind of failed the team a little bit there and really was the reason why they lost week two. The, I think the Giants offense did plenty to win that game and the Giants defense just didn't come through. Uh, we took the Giants two and a half on a look ahead. And my, my thought was that the Giants would be in a close contest. Maybe they win, maybe they lose. And Atlanta would get blown out by Tampa Bay. And both of those predictions came to realization. And it's interesting because the line obviously started off at three. There's some two and a halves there. Um, But both teams are 0-2. They're not good. And they're on the precipice of seeing their season slip away. Whoever loses this game needs to start looking forward organizationally to 2022. Uh, I don't care if there's 17 games or not. Ultimately, this is the end game right here. Um, Atlanta was supposed to have a high-powered offensive attack, but they had the third lowest points per game in the league. Their defense, which was expected to be a dumpster fire, actually lived up to expectations. They are a dumpster fire. They surrendered 40 points per game, worse than the NFL. Uh, Matt Ryan is slowing down, slowly fading into oblivion, and uh, they don't even have an advantage. They might have an advantage in this game on the defensive line. They've accumulated six sacks through the first two games. It's been well documented how poor the Giants' offensive line is, especially with another injury this past week. Um I also wouldn't be shocked if Calvin Ridley breaks through. Uh, we saw Terry McLaurin just torch um, Bradbury. I mean, it doesn't – the Giants' defense right now, they're not 
able to shut anyone down. I, I wouldn't be confident about anything. Right now, Calvin Ridley is at six and a half at plus money to the over. Uh, I certainly was looking for a five and a half, but I haven't seen one posted yet. If it hits five and a half, I'll be hitting that. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Giants stats look better than Atlanta. But then again, they didn't have to play the defending Super Bowl champions in that process. Uh, Daniel Jones, if you watch the game, I actually thought that he looked good. He hit the targets when he was under fire. Uh, for someone that is not a huge Daniel Jones proponent, I, I certainly thought they should have looked to move off of him this offseason. Uh, I-, I thought that he actually played pretty well, and hopefully that's a sign of things to come as a fan. Um, the team had poor offseason, poor preseason. They dealt with the injuries, the player retirement, the cohesion issues. Um, and if you watch the game as well, you probably saw Kenny Galladay screaming on the sidelines at Daniel Jones or the offensive coordinator or anyone who would listen. And, and what concerns me about that is with everything that went on last year with the Giants, they never seemed to lose focus and lose that camaraderie that they had. Already, this is a free agent signing that is having issues in week two, which is a, a major concern. Uh, but Squeaky Wheel may get the oil, so I wouldn't be shocked if he got some targets this week. Um, overall, the Giants have better personnel, potential on both sides of the ball. They're at home. They have 10 days to prepare. Uh, Arthur Smith is a first-year coach. Uh, you know, and I know they're not doing very well, the first-year coaches, so far this season. But they also have longer leashes. Joe Judge and and the rest of the Giants, I feel like their days could be numbered here. I mean, certainly for Gettleman, and I don't know if Joe Judge, you know, survives that firing. So this is really a must-win game in Week 3 for the Giants. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it's tough to say something this early in the season is must-win, but I really think it is for the Giants. Um, this is all hands on deck. Everybody's Everybody's got to be going in the same direction. Otherwise, I think everybody's out. Um, I'd pass at minus 3, but if you get a minus 5, that's something I endorse. And if you're going to call it for a best bet, that would be my best bet for the podcast. All right, solid stuff there from everybody on that one. Good stuff there from Steve. You did mention one thing there, Steve, that, that kind of triggered me to think maybe that that the Giants, you know, certainly could struggle on defense is the fact that you know they played on they they played Bridgewater and they played Fitzpatrick and and Heineke or actually they played Heineke, but uh, this is going to be the best quarterback that they've seen all year. So um, that even makes me feel a lot better you know, about the overplay that I have here. Uh, before we wrap up, there was a diamond in the rough prop bet that I think Steve kind of touched on real quick, and we could probably touch on this a little bit more. Uh, maybe after we go and jump off the podcast, but I think there is some value there, Steve, in that Miles Gaskin prop that you had mentioned. I believe that his rushing and receiving yards uh, it might be one that we probably want to attack and get that up on our Discord channel probably as soon as possible. Uh, for those of you guys who aren't, you know, subscribed, uh, make sure you guys do that. Uh, subscribe there at the Betting Predators. You guys can go ahead and get all the good stuff there over there on our Discord channel. Chris has all the packages up. Uh, as always, you guys know where to find Uncle Dave uh, over at pregame.com. He's got all his premium plays up. I have all my premium plays up as well. And you guys can find us all on Twitter, J underscore pregame, Dave underscore Essler, and at Avoid the Vig. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL Week 3. Enjoy the games. <laughs>